Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. You know, life presents us all with various challenges, and it's up to us to take that stuff and make it into something better. There are some folks in this universe who take their lives, imagine what they'd like it to be, and they move boldly in the direction of their dreams. My next guest is one of those beautiful humans. Now, Dia Davis-Williams and I go way back to college. We're connected on social media, but we saw each other in person for the first time in years. Yes, I said years. In New Orleans as Essence Fest was wrapping up. So, shout out to Essence. Many thanks for reuniting college friends. Now let's get back to Dia. She's a publicist and founder of Exquisite M Events. She's also a mom, and she's also in law school while running her firm and studying. And this woman here, she is very specific about her goals and the impact that she wants to make in the world. Take a listen to this Driven Sister story on Planet Noun. College, I majored in international studies, and my specialty was English, physical education, and I think it was biology for the third. I really not doing anything in my field outside of the physical education part that connects me with sports. But I finished, got two bachelors, got a master's in criminal justice, and I decided that I love making people happy. I started an event planning company over 20 years ago, and that was called Exquisite Events. And as I'm doing the events, they learn to be doing a couple of corporate events because they're like, oh, well, you do a really good wedding. Can you plan this corporate party for us? And then the people I knew past and their family was like, we don't have the strength to plan the funeral. Would you be willing to plan the services from beginning to end? And I did it out of the kindness of my heart. And they were like, can you cook for us? And I was like, uh, okay. So I started cooking and became one of the cooks for my church for 10 years. And literally, I just started on referral pieces. One person led to another. And I decided to put myself out and become a publicist when my daughter, the first African-American child to write a book about child abuse when she was eight. And when I did that, we hired a publicist initially. And my brother-in-law was an attorney, and he was like, I think you need to be a publicist. He said, you got to get the gab. You know, you have this personality where everyone loves you. I'm just trying. I was like, oh, no, I'm not Okay, so you heard Dia just say that she didn't want to be a publicist. So how did she become a publicist? Well, it was pretty organic. Listen up for more with Dia Davis-Williams on Planet Now. Yeah, I was actually handing out my daughter's books at the BET weekend. And I just passed them out to random people I was meeting over the weekend with my kids and husband and toe. Did not know where it was going to take me. But it ended me <laughs> presenting at Bishop Knowles Church at the largest back-to-school event in the state of California. Did not know it was going to be televised and they were going to have a commercial and it was going to be such media, you know, coverage. And that my company, Twizzitin, was going to be one of the sponsors for the event. So not only were we one of the sponsors, but myself, my daughter, and my other daughter were also one of the headline speakers for the event on being authors and me being her publicist. That led to other clients that I received. And I literally started from one client to 70 within a month. Wow, and what year was this? Wow. 2010, 2010, 2010, 2011, yeah. And um, Bishop knows um, one of his top people approached me because they received a book from one of, from one of my kids. Like, hey, we're interested in this book. Would you be willing to come speak? And one thing led to another. I didn't tell anyone 
that we were speaking at and stuff for my extended family and two girlfriends. Not knowing the girlfriends were going to show up for support, screaming our heads off. We had the time of our life. And I gave out a couple of copies of the book. And we met a gentleman who was on the panel. And that's how we sponsored our first Christian jazz concert. Wow. Wow. So handing out books and then Bishop Knowles. He was actually on Preachers of LA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I have his face in my mind. Okay. (laughs) We had a big event. Uh, We were part of a big event in his church. And it's been a wonderful journey. It's had its ups and it's had its downs. Being a publicist is for the faint at heart. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of commitment. And I was a mother. I was a wife. And I literally had to become extremely organized. Mm-hmm. where my time was designated for my family and time designated for work and my work and my family intermate. All of my clients have met my family in the state of my home. I've had a home-cooked meal and being spoiled at my house for a little bit because I wanted them to understand that my family is a part of my brand and vice versa. It's interesting how, uh, you know, we both grew up in church and everything, and I think there's a verse in the Bible that talks about how a little child shall lead them. So you passing out your daughter's book, is part of the path that led you to where you are right now. Most definitely. And that daughter now is about to be 17. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to veer off my little question list for, for a couple seconds. It sounds like in, in your family and in your experience, you know what it's like to be an FOD. I can't remember who came up with that. I don't know if it was Shonda Rhimes. I think it was Shonda Rhimes. FOD, first, only, indifferent. What is that yeah. like walking in, walking along your path as a publicist and along your way to becoming um, one of the only African-American attorneys in sports management, female attorneys in sports management? Others growing up, I was called the fat one. I was called darky. I was led to believe that I wasn't beautiful, and that was that was the cross I had to bear. But after coming to this last Essence Festival, my very first one, I left as a complete and awoke Black woman, knowing that I had the last bit of tools that I needed to be a successful Black woman in my field of sports law and to bring other Black women into my field and Black men as well. Because when two or three are gathered, Mm-hmm. about to have church as the scripture, as the scripture says as yes Lord nothing is impossible I was not one that let the way I was stereotyped stop me from doing what I wanted to do in life I didn't care what anybody else said yeah I was too black yeah I was fat and still didn't stop me from being married still didn't stop me from having kids still didn't stop me from getting physically fit finally and getting you know myself where I need to be now didn't stop me from pursuing my dreams all because you thought that I was fat I was too dark and next you don't pay my bills and you can't tell me that because of the color of my skin I can't do what I want I was just a little I'm stubborn mm-hmm. when it comes to myself and what I believe I can't do I went back to my alma mater I won't mention the school and got a second bachelor's degree last year because I wanted to be a graduate of the school where my dad graduated from Mind you, I'm in law school at the same time, and everyone said I was stupid, okay? How so did you I do that? that <laughs> well, I don't know how to say, because I was taking classes. But when I finished and I gave it to my dad, and the joy you could see in his face of what his daughter did for him, his child, it was worth the sacrifice of no sleep, because I literally was getting two hours a night 
from law school and taking undergrad classes exactly at the same time. And always fail at the same time. Well, so when you say you had to really organize your life. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I am. I'm extremely organized. I do a year at a time, sometimes more. Like I have the next two years completely planned out. Wow. Oh, wow. That's it. Wow. (laughs) Can I be like you when I'm grown? (laughs) You can. Come on. I teach you. I even have wiggle room for changes. Wow. So planning your life a couple of years uh, ahead and then, and wiggle room. Wow. I, uh, girl, I've, I've always been impressed, but I am like doubly impressed. <laughs> and so um, now when you were in, when you were in college uh, before, you know, you went back and got your degree from the, the school that shall remain nameless, um, yes. the bachelor's there. And then, you know, you, before you got your other degrees, what you're doing now, did you ever imagine you would be doing this? Like, when did this, when, did you ever imagine you'd be here? No, I did not. What did you think that you, that life had, had in store for you? Because, you know, we all dream about what life uh, will present to us. And sometimes life presents curveballs. Sometimes life presents uh, things that we had, really don't I expect. Got married and had kids. I had, got married and had kids really young. And, you know, I was never going to go back to work. It was my mother. Who suggested that I go to law school? Oh, your mom suggested there that. Like, there was my mother read it to me. She wrote a promise I made when I was fifteen, and was like, um, "I didn't tell her I was applying for law school, but she called me one day and she said you made a promise to God that you were going to be a lawyer at fifteen, and I just want to know if you're going to follow through with that." And that was the day I got accepted into law school. Wow, wow. So was that like? double, triple, quadruple confirmation that you, you know, you were stepping into the right, into the right path? No, the way I am and my being, and the way I help others, I was always intended to be an attorney. It just took me a lot to get there, but this has always been where I needed to be. I can help more people as an attorney than as I can in the public system. How are you seeking to to help people? I remember one of our conversations that we had, because we both were at Essence Fest, and I'm so happy I got to see you there. Um, <laughs> I would like, I helped my, I helped a, a, a mutual person that I knew needed some help with her divorce paperwork. And she didn't know the slightest and she spent a lot of money on this expensive attorney and she kept losing her case and she had lost her home, lost her car, you know, was living in a one bedroom with three kids. And I was like, well, let me look at your paperwork. I need practice. Get the paperwork. She submitted it and we won our case. And she got all of her back. She got her child support reinstated to the original amount and her spouse's support she never collected plus interest and wow. she was just like oh my god i owe you i owe you i said no it's free i said i just wanted to know if i could do it and that is something i'm going to continue to do for the rest of my life where i would take two to three free cases every single year whatever field it might be in and represent that person for free wow so that's a, a way of giving back to or just Almost just definitely. helping your community most definitely and they have to be a minority in order for me to help them mm-hmm. because i'm a minority myself and i need to help my own first how long did it take you to get to that point where you were passionate and and saw the need to help the, the african-american community in all of its forms it took me a very long time to get there because i always thought my black was not beautiful and it took you know, it's so funny. It was a movie, <laughs> Black Panther. Black Panthers came out, 
And, you know, I got all dressed up. I went to an Ethiopian role and bought a dress made in Ethiopia. And I had a beautiful necklace, that, you know, that I had custom made for it. And I went to the premiere with my coworker. And to be around that ambience of the, of the African culture, I had never truly been a part of that, never been to the motherland. It just, it was an awakening moment for me as a black woman. And literally, we decided to do something different. I rented a high-end car to take us to the movies and pick us up. Because I'm like, we're black royalty. So <laughs> we're not, <laughs> we're black royalty. So, you know, we had a nice, nice car, black car service. You know, black, black car service with gloves to take us to the movie and pick us up. And literally, I'm walking back to the car and there's people screaming, hey, queen, hey, queen, hey, queen, hey, queen, hey, queen. <laughs> And I was like, yes, I am a queen. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It starts with yourself first. Amen. That's yeah. right. And I, it was a good, you know, I was joking about it, but it stuck. And I was like, I'm a beautiful black queen and I need to help my beautiful black kings out here and my beautiful black kings and queens children. What do I need to do on this earth to make it better for them? One, I could give my time to the other. And when I became an AKA, they really iterate helping our own and really be in the community. So I was not forced, but I was more than happy to give back to the community. When they had the big floods in Texas and they were asking for money, I was more than happy to do that. Not knowing when I went to Texas last summer, my reward would be honored for all the backpacks and all the foods and all the textbooks that these kids received, all because of our selfless donations, which were not tax deductible. And when I found out that we helped so many minority children, my heart was just filled with so much joy because I felt like minority children are so, and, and, and men and women were so neglected so many times because of the color of our skin. And I, it was just one more incident where I was like, I need to help my people because I really had to look at other races and I studied them when a lot when I was doing my master's in criminal justice, how other cultures really stick together through the bad and the good. And I felt like the African-American culture had been stripped of all that through slavery. And we needed to find a way to get back to each other. And having Obama as a president really helped the African-American and Black community to find some of their Blackness and say, you know what, we are great people, just like any other culture is out there. And we need to find a way to become one with each other and support each other. And I'm not willing to step down because someone is non-black and I won't work with them. It's not a prejudice issue with me. It's a matter of fact of helping my own. That's all. Because these other cultures have helped their own people for a long time. Why can't I not do the same thing? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. I want to see my brothers and fellow sisters succeed as much as I want to see my fellow Caucasian, Latino, Native American, and Asian brothers and sisters succeed in life. But I'm just going to help my brothers and sisters first. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's um, what I'm hearing you say is you're not anti anyone. You're pro everyone, no, but you're going to help your, but you're going to help your people first. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Exactly. So you're a busy woman. Let's I talk am. about self-care, self-care. Cause okay. You sometimes we, as black women, we help everyone else. We help everyone else first. And then we come last how are you integrating self-care? Um, have you started or is that something you need to work on a little bit more? I started it, but it's not consistent. My self-care used to be in massage and facial every month. Every month, no matter what, two hours for myself. I have not done that. I've had a facial this year a few times. I have not 
and I've had one massage done this year. So I feel like I'm lacking in that area. That's something I need to get better with because life, you know, takes control and then mm-hmm. you look up and you don't have time. So that's something I've already put in my schedule starting in September while I would go back to getting my facials and my massages every single month. Every woman needs that time frame. And so um, is it something that I notice going back to the, the, the fact that you plan your your life in two-year increments. So you know what you're going to do a couple of years from now. And, you know, of course, there's yeah. room for wiggle room. Self-care, is that also something that you, that you think women should, should put, that, put that in the calendar and make sure to stick to it? Yes, I really feel like we should because if you don't put it in your calendar, it won't happen. You'll come up with another excuse as to why it doesn't happen. So I plan it just like it's a job. These are my time periods to that you need to take care of yourself. Even if I can't get the massage and the facial, I will take, a, I get a bath once a week where I soak, I cut my phone off, and I play some really nice music. And that is just as relaxing to me as getting those other two. I'm a bath taker and I lock my door. So there's absolutely <laughs> no interruption for that hour. I was about to say, you have, you have children <laughs> and everything yes. <laughs> that's yours, it belongs to them too. <laughs> yeah, so the, the door is locked with a key. So. They have no access to my room any longer. <laughs> I did that this year. I was like, I'm tired of my stuff being missing. We're done. We're getting the key on this. <laughs> like, I can't come in. I said, I know it's locked. <laughs> if you want your stuff, if you want it, then you got to put a key on it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I did this year. They were mad. Mom, I needed a break so that your room was locked. I said, oh, it was? <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so, okay, you were talking about how work is, you know, it's, it's demanding and it's not it necessarily is. as glamorous because I, I see your photos on social media and every time I see a photo, I'm thinking, oh, that looks so awesome. It looks so glamorous. And then another part of my mind is thinking, I know there's a whole lot of work that goes into, <laughs> that goes into getting to whatever that point is that snapped yeah, in the picture. Yeah, they didn't see flat that I wore up to the time you take the picture. Because <laughs> 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 the, the heels come on, they got to stay on for some hours. So I'm wearing flats. Up till it's time to hit the red carpet with my clients. Like, okay, feet, don't wear it. Don't hold me down. <laughs> don't hold me down. And they don't see that shoe bag that's in my clients, stuffed in my clients' tuck. For me to <laughs> slip on some more comfortable, comfortable shoes. I never thought that I would be an alumni. I never thought I was pretty enough. It was my clients who brought me out. Like, I need for you to be my plus one. I trust you exclusively. And I'm like, what? I need for you to come to the Grammys with me. I had no desire. I've always worked in the background. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones who said, no, I need you here. When you come, we get work done. And that's how I started going to the Grammys every year. Wow. How many years have you been, have you been going to the Grammys? Three years now. Going on, no, going on four. And so and this was my first year to win a Super Bowl. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. After cool. I go to the Super Bowl, I'm already booked for Miami. Awesome. Awesome. And so just to, just to reiterate, when things look glamorous, folks, you need to remember there's glamour, but there's work behind the glamour. The glamour just does not oh, come yeah. by itself. No. Um, with that glamour comes getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get your makeup done <laughs> and your hair done. <laughs> it, it also comes being up till three because you're making sure all of your client stuff is set in order and only getting maybe an hour or two hours of sleep because sometimes your client has to crash with you. And you not really having a bed to sleep in too much or having to share it 
because the hotel's overbooked and they didn't tell you that their funds were tight. Yeah, people don't talk about that at all. They're like, oh, yeah, you got to go. It was so cool. Or it doesn't talk about the fact that the event ends at 3 in the morning or 4, and you're having to drive home and get 30 minutes of sleep because as a mother, you need to get your kids up at 6 to get them at school by 730. Wow. Nobody talks about that. But I've done all that for years and without complaining and be mm-hmm. dog tired. But my kids need a mother. They need a parent. You know, they need a mother. Mm-hmm. And I, that's still my job, even though I'm a publicist. I have gone to the Grammys many a time and have stayed up late, took clients to the airport for six o'clock flight, went and got a cold red Mountain Dew, which I don't drink anymore, drove home, slept for 15 minutes in my car, woke my kids up, dropped them off at school, and then came back home and crashed the burn for a few hours only to do it all over again. So being a publicist is not for the faint of heart or the lazy. It's not. It's not. It's not for somebody who's celebrity struck because I am not at all. Have you ever been celebrity struck? And if so, um, if you were ever celebrity struck. Jesse Jackson. (laughs) You said one time with who? Jesse Jackson. Oh. (laughs) I met him at the the Cell Awards and I almost lost my (laughs) mind. And so what oh, makes makes you not uh starstruck um is it something is it just how you grew up or did you have an experience or two that you know led you to realize okay yeah, um, i grew up with my dad helping to run uncf when he was vp at oakland so we met a lot of celebrities that way so i was very comfortable with them and i just realized that they're human and they have bills and they act like the next person so it's not a big deal for me to meet them anymore and i just kind of took that on in my adult life when i meet a celebrity i don't say no i'm like oh hey nice to meet you and i keep it moving I'm not there to disrupt the flow of things. I'm there that event just like you are. Let me do my job with my client and keep it moving. I see people. I might have seen them in events. I normally don't speak at all. I just keep my head going straight, keep it moving. And people are busting me about that. Girl, I saw you at this, and you need to speak. I said, yeah, I was with my client. I was at work. And I said, that's my only priority, and I don't do care from that. They're like, yeah, we understand. Uh, okay. Okay. It's good that, that folks can... The folks get that, that work is work. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not first. trying to be, I'm, I'm not trying to offend you, but when I'm at work, that's literally what I am. If I see you, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to speak because I'm just focused on my client. I don't want to make you feel bad, but that's just the way I feel. You know, I'm at work. I talk to you on another time. Uh, your advice for anyone who is considering a career in, in PR, if someone who wants to be a publicist or someone who wants to go uh, into sports law and wants to own their own business or someone who wants to make you know their mark in the world through helping other people, what advice do you have? Do your homework. Do your homework um, on the field that you want to be. You need to do a top 10 list of why you want to do that field and a top 10 list of why you can and you need to have a financial revenue set in place so that you can afford to be in your field because you won't make money initially. It takes some time if you're in PR and it also takes time in sports law. Sports law, you're gonna be out of quite a bit of money because you actually need to go to like the Super Bowl, you need to go to the Final Four, you need to go to All-Star Weekend and you can't do any of that without any time. And those tickets are expensive and you can't come into the field asking for money right off the bat. You know, asking for a hookup. You need to be able to afford your own ticket and go where you need to go. 
Okay. And so um, speaking of asking for, for handouts, how do you deal? And this, this came up in the conversation that we had in New Orleans. How do you deal with folks trying to get the hookup from you? Hey, hey, yo, 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 dear, can you hook a sister up? Can you hook a brother up for free? Can you provide your no, services for free? You, I just, I can say no very quickly. Not a problem about that in the house. <laughs> it's like, okay, no, really one of the shortest words, no. <laughs> yeah. And then be like, well, you my friend. Everyone likes to use the card that I knew they were for college. I could care less. What have you done for me to help my career succeed and to help make my career more forward? And if you can't do that, then you're no, you're no help. You're no good for me. That totally makes sense. And especially, you know, pairing that with, with the fact that your, your career is about helping others. Yeah, it is about helping others. I don't want to hook somebody up and then you in return not going to help somebody else out. I mean, because that's what it's all about. We're going to be a network and I need for you to be kind and loving and respectful to the people that I know too. I don't want to hook you up and then I found out that you cut a fool. Right. That makes me look bad. Because people do that too. You know, you get sloppy drunk. When I go to work, I'm not drinking. But you might drink because it's free drinks and I'm like, over here. Well, I'm sorry, I don't do that. So... <laughs> I'm coming to my to an event that has free alcohol and you decide that's the day that you want to get stupid drunk. That makes me look bad. Not your brand, but my brand. Yeah, these people were up here and they were drinking. Mm, we can't hire her. Wow. I did an event for BET last year. Mm. It was free flowing alcohol. I didn't have a drink. I drink more all day. And it was free flowing. And, you know, I got asked sometimes, you want a shot? No, I'm good. My mind needs to be clear headed and leveled. How am I going to do that if I'm under the influence of alcohol when I'm at work? So you separate. I, do, I drink club soda and lime. I have to separate the two. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's another way for me to witness. There's not many Christians, as seven-day Adventists, as people like to say, in my field. And even though I'm not in a place where I could be preaching the Bible, because I'm not, I need for you to see that I'm a God-fearing woman through my character and through my morals. And me not getting sloppy drunk and sleeping with Tom, Dick, and Harry, or whoever you may call them, it's a good example for that. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a higher probability of hiring my firm again because we didn't do what you expected. We did the complete opposite. We handled ourselves in a very professional manner. What have you found that people expect from you without just because of your shell? What I call oh, the shell I, could be know, the part fact of that. A cult. <laughs> first they'll say is, oh, you're at seven day. Oh, you're part of a cult. I said, it's not a cult. Well, you can't do this. this, 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 this. I said, who told you that? Oh, a friend of mine, I said, well, your friend lied. We're not for <laughs> profession. And then, you know, people don't assume that I'm professional just because I'm a female. And then when I get to an event and I'm running things, then they're like, oh, crap. So even when something goes away negative, the BT event, sponsored event was a gamers event. That's my first time dealing with gamers. My girlfriend asked me to come on and help run lead. It started, girl, we had to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. My brother, my play brother came along and he helped. You know, he, he made in my head, he need to come, and he came and helped me today. Girl, we were very punctual, seven o'clock on the dot. The person over it came a little bit later, they were stuck in traffic. And um, there was a moment when the head person got very disrespectful of me rude, 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 you know, cussing and everything else for some stuff that was happening that had nothing to do with what my job capability was. Mm-hmm. And I let her finish cussing me out, and I said, Are you done? And she was like, Yes. And I let her know, I said, I made an executive decision that was to protect you and to protect my friends. Are you done? And when the event was over, I ended up saving her behind because there was a gamer who ended up winning first runner up and they didn't have her register. And I had registered her just to be on the safe side. And I recognized her from the very beginning. They messed up and they were about not to give this girl her gift bag. And I was like, no, 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 no. I remember her from early this morning. She was on time. 
and she was a minority, which is very rare in the gaming field. Mm-hmm. I saved her behind from looking stupid, all because I was observant. And even though that was not an area that I was over, I still took it to consideration. I need to check out who these gamers are. I need to know their faces in case there's an issue and they need a little help. I need to be accessible and so does my team. And, you know, the lady never came back and apologized, and I wasn't looking for it. I did a really good job, and I got thanked for it. And when that gamer came up and first runner up and got her gamer system and everything, and her custom made the Void Crystal Necklace, was shaped in a game, she was super excited. And that was and like, that was thanks was, enough. Yeah. She was thankful then. The lady was thankful then because I saved her behind. And I could have been the total opposite. So she cut a fool, and I was like, no, you cut a fool, I'm not. That's the difference between you and me. I'm a Christian, and my Christian morals and dignity keep me from cussing your tail out right now, which you deserve. She ended up losing her job oh, right wow. after. Wow. Someone noticed the conversation, and that was one of the things. Well, that girl didn't ask that way towards you, but you did, and you were out a lot. So one of the things I admire about you is that you, you seem to be fearless. You move forward in boldness, and I love, I love that about you. Okay. And fear holds a lot of people back. And so how do you, yeah, if you have any, how do you conquer yours? The best way I did was to conquer my fear was on my knees. I pray a lot and I have a long worship in the morning with my Jesus, who's my daddy, every single morning. And I just had to pray with him and ask God for the courage to get over my fear. I am a um, very talkative person, but I'm an introvert. When it comes to people, I don't know. So that was a fear of mine that I had to get over very quickly. And I grew up in a very strict Seventh-day Adventist home, so I really did not know how to interact with non-Adventists. And I had to learn very quickly that I could still be myself and have relationships with these people and not go to hell for it. Yeah, that's what that's one thing I I can say. Growing up SDA, there was there was a there was a lot of fear, and yeah, as an adult, it was I'm unnecessary fear. It was unnecessary. Some of my best friends are not Adventists, but I love them. We have a good time together. But I realized my friendship base was too far. I had to put myself out there. Mm, that can that could be a whole nother discussion right there. <laughs> the yeah, things that the things that we that we hold to our hearts still, and the stuff that we just had to cast away, because I, yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've had to reevaluate the way I I look at and observe and practice some of the things that we grew up with. And look at, mm-hmm. yeah. You're forced to do that when you get older because you realize the fallacy in it. The way it was portrayed to you as a child is not always factual. Hallelujah. That was my big awe moment. Yeah. When I read and read Ellen G. White for myself and I read, read the Bible for myself, I'm like, oh, the Bible don't say that. <laughs> I was raised that way. I went to school enough for they said to school every day. I said, no, was I alive? Oh, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, hmm, that can, hmm, I can probably talk to a bunch of different people. Okay. And put together a whole different episode with different guests. (laughs) And so um, I think the last question, or at least the last question I have written down is, and you kind of touched on it before, kindness in a career that can be downright cutthroat. That lady cussing you out, to me, that seemed unnecessary. How can you be kind? She did it in a room in front of people. Yeah. I've just learned that when a person is older than me, they, they are my um, elders. And I was always taught and led to believe that you respect them no matter what. And I had a lot of practice with my mother-in-law on um, being kind to others, when you, even when you're not in agreement with her. Because she, 
she had a way with her words. I was not in agreement with, nor it was the way I was raised. And I had to learn very quickly to hold my tongue. Now, I'm not saying it's always the correct thing to do, but I didn't know how else to be vocal to her about the way that I was feeling and the way that she was treating me. But I also carry that into my everyday life and my career. I don't need to be ugly and beneath myself to someone just because you're ugly to me. What good is that going to do me? Outside of get me out of character and stress me unnecessarily. Why can I not treat you with the utmost kindness possible and throw you completely the plumb off to the point that you cut them? Because whatever you're throwing my way, it's, phys- it's, it's, it's clearly and physically not working. And maybe that will force you to change your way because you have not unraveled me. Now, you might have unran me um, mentally wise, but I'm definitely not going to show that. Mm-hmm. That's not I'm the business. Keep my cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep my cool and lose it later when I get home or to my hotel room. And I did lose it that night, girl. I was the basket case. I cried so bad because mm-hmm. I felt belittled. The lady was non-black, you know, and I had to go to the spa the whole day, girl, after that. I went to a spa, cut my phone off for 12 hours to just be degressed and depressed. But wow. I didn't show her none of that. I'm human. I have feelings. And I was hurt from that. But I did not show it in that professional setting. Wow. wow. When, uh, so when, when we were at Essence, did you get a chance to hear Michelle Obama speak? Girl, no. I wish I did. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to talk about this. The one part, well, we've, we've heard her say, you know, when folks go low, the best way is to go okay. high. Mm-hmm. And I was talking, I brought my book with her. I got a special book and a letter from her from AKA our Ivy box so, that I've been saving. But, um, I, my schedule for work just did not permit for me to be off during that time period. I wish I had had time to go to here because I heard she was just phenomenal. Oh yeah, that was it. Was nice. It was a and Gail King. Oh, that was she was she was a really nice interviewer. I heard Gail <laughs> interviews very well. I was totally impressed with her when she interviewed R. Kelly. Oh, uh, Robert, Robert. Yes, I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Robert. Mm-hmm. Robert. <laughs> yes, did a phenomenal job. Even when he lost his cool, sister did not shake or stutter. I was like, you go, girl. Okay, and I'm like, oh, that's a pointer. I like that. I'm gonna take that one and put it in my trove. <laughs> Okay, I almost called her Auntie Gail, but then I thought, she doesn't look like a woman I want to be called Auntie, so I'm just going to call you Sister Gail. Yeah, Sister Gail. Oh my gosh. I've covered all the questions that I have written down. Is there anything else that you would like to say that I did not ask you either about, you know, starting your own business, maintaining your own business, self-care, dealing with... Don't compromise your character for what you want to do in life. Ah, elaborate. No matter how the situation may come arise, be your true self because people will see when you're fake. Being your true self will have more doors open than being your fake self. Authenticity. For a while, I have um, I've been em- embarrassed about my Adventist side. <laughs> and then just this I week. I understand that. And it's like for the first time, like this week at work, we got into a conversation. There's a coworker I have who is a former, former SDA. And okay. um, it's like for the first time, I, we were in a conversation with some coworkers and I, excuse my language, I didn't give a damn <laughs> if they knew. <laughs> you know, I didn't care. Because, you know, that, I, I'm just, I'm tired of being afraid of what other people think. I'm tired of giving a damn. <laughs> You grown. You grown. We grown. We good and grown. Yes, Lord. I've been reading.
reading the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're not grown, you'll be grown after you read that. <laughs> that book's my whole life. Oh, wait. And it's just, so, I like to talk about this with my sister sometimes. I was about to say my, I was about to explain who she is, but I forgot you met her. So. I sure did. <laughs> awesome woman. <laughs> and you know, we talk about how just the fears that were instilled, and I don't know if I can't say that people meant to do this or if they, you know, if it was intentional, but the fact is we grew up with a lot of fear. And like you said before, un- unnecessary fear. And caring about what other people think. And for those who looked the part, they weren't necessarily living the part because, you know, we know people with two lives. <laughs> I have been a person with two lives <laughs> at one point. 100% spot on. Just be you. Be you. Mm-hmm. I want change for anybody. I don't care how desperate you want a job. If you know that you're not that person who doesn't want involved, start your own company. It will take you a while to get it started, but it's so worth it knowing that somebody Somebody, you don't have to answer somebody. I don't have to answer anybody. I own my own firm. Free and clear. And it's been a long road, but it's mine. I've had someone tell me that that my company's name was stupid and it wasn't good English. Huh? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Exquisite M? How is, I don't don't understand that. It wasn't proper English because I had my exquisite soul in one eye, not two. And I listened to her and my, my, you know, she said you can't recognize it in the dictionary. And I was a little hurt by it. But then I realized that, you know what? I appreciated her honesty. Mm-hmm. We we had a friendship where she was clear with telling me that, and I needed to hear that. Okay. And it made me put my heels in the ground. And I kept my company spelling the same. It's Squizzit M. It's spelled with one I, not two. I wanted to be different. I know it's spelled incorrectly, but nobody else would have the spelling for my company. And mm-hmm. my M is capitalized. Yep, nobody spells it like that either. And that's going to be the name of my sports law firm. So, who are some of her clients? Now, you know I tried to find out. Let's see if I had any luck and find out how she rolls when she walks into a room when there aren't many people like her there. Dia Davis-Williams on Planet Now. Um, I don't know if you have, like, NDAs with, uh, with any of your clients. Are there any clients that you can say that you're affiliated with at all? Yeah, you know, I have NDAs on your Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the business rolls. Okay. On my PR side, not as bad, but on yeah, I can talk about those people, but not on the other side. Okay. Okay. Cool. If cool. I like keeping their business to themselves, and I don't have a problem with that, and even if I didn't, I wouldn't tell people because it's, mm-hmm. it's private. You just all you need to know is yeah, I'm at the Super Bowl next. Yeah, I'm at this NFL event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, they're all invite only. Oh, how'd you get in? None of your business. That's all you need to. That's all you need to know. When I walk in a room and the people are like, what? And it's all men? Yeah, I know I belong there. Period. And I don't owe you an explanation for that. No, I'm not the girlfriend. No, I'm not the wife. No, I'm not the mistress. I'm going to be their freaking lawyer. Next. Wow. How long did it take you to get to that point? Or or have you always been that way? I don't think I've always been that way. I just think my self-confidence hit when I finally turned 40. I was like, oh, I'm the father. Oh, my name is You can't tell me
Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, that is a nice, that's a nice up note to end. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. You've been listening to Dia Davis-Williams of public relations firm Exquisite M. If there's one thing to remember from this episode, remember this. If you want it, figure out a way to get it with honest, hard work and persistence. It can get done. Learn more about Dia, including her social media info at planetnown.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Noun podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also on SoundCloud. And please stop by the Apple Podcasts. Why did I say the Apple Podcast? I sound like Facebook in its early days, the Facebook. Or someone's mama, the Walmart, Mm -hmm. the Instagrams. Mm -hmm. Follow us on the Instagrams and stop by the Apple Podcast and rate the show. (laughs) Okay, let me stop tripping. Check us out on social and follow us and please rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by. Until next time, take care.